0: Welcome, everybody, to the Mid-Curve Podcast. We are back again. We are finally on a regular, like, weekly cadence, which is great. We are recording weekly uh, on the weekends for you so you can have a fresh podcast at the beginning of the week. Um, This is our uh, group of semi-interesting traders, investors, and uh, people who pay a lot of attention to... Uh, the crypto space, including NFTs, DeFi, and the macro tradfi markets. Um, we are joined as always by our regular uh our friends here, so I'm going to have everybody go around the table. And we have a special guest today, so I'll end uh, with that person. But first, let's give a quick intro on what we are, who we are, and what we do. Very, I'll start. Uh, my name is Funky Donk. Uh, my IRL name is Gavin Purcell. I am a mostly media background person, but have now kind of like dipped into a number of different things. I started an NFT project and a a product manager and creative and a bunch of other weird stuff. And now I don't understand. I don't understand what my career path is. Uh, All right, let's go to Grant. Grant, what is the what is a quick intro for you?
1: Hey, guys, my name is Grant. Background in the consulting world. I used to live out of a suitcase pre-COVID. Post-COVID, I've fallen in ass backwards into this weird industry and now i'm shaped like dokwan so
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh great all right eric what about you give a quick intro to yourself
2: hey guys it's eric uh background finance spent a long time in working in tradfi and now i basically do dump jpegs uh and shape once. full time
0: I like how all of us kind of like don't really understand what we do now. Like that's my favorite part of this whole thing is like we all had like normal jobs and now we live in some sort of weird, like chaotic universe. Um, All right, Salty, what about you?
3: Sure. uh, Salty, I kept my job uh, because I'm scared to quit it. (laughs) Uh, Academic, researcher, computer, math, biology stuff. Uh, I've been in crypto for a while um, and I try to learn Everything I can from Fonky, Grant, and Eric, so that one day I'll actually make profit. You're not learning that from me for sure. You should learn that from, you should learn Funky, that from Grant, on, from man. you're the shitcoin king. <laughs> okay, great.
0: All right, and we're joined by a special guest this week. Um, uh, Shirtless is with us, uh, one of the founders of Spice Finance. Shirtless, you want to kind of to give us a little bit of your background and then uh, kind of tell us very briefly about Spice, which we'll get into later?
4: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so my, my background is also kind of like you guys. It's kind of all over the place as well. But I am one of the co-founders here at Spice Finance. Um, before that, I was actually a chemical engineer. Um, so I, I studied oh, chemical what? engineering.
3: We come from the same world. Oh, no way.
4: <laughs> yeah, so I actually, like, my focus chemical engineering was from, like, an academic uh, science kind of background. So I was doing a lot of, like, academic research um was gonna go get my phd but then ended up like quitting that whole career path um to kind of go full-time into crypto here um but yeah that's that's a high level (laughs) about how where where i come from but uh on spice i was also doing uh at the beginning well now you guys were talking about doing all these different roles at the beginning of spice i was in charge a lot of the the community building as well as the the growth and marketing But since then, I've actually shifted now to doing more of, like, the product design, UX design, UI design, and uh, business development. So my roles have, like, kind of changed even in the course of uh, working full-time in crypto. But I'm excited to be here. You guys, uh, I listen to you guys every week.
0: Uh, That is fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Okay, so let's jump in here. Um, We often start uh, our podcast, really, when I say often, I mean every time, we often start our podcast with a uh, single word to describe the market this week. Um, I'm going to jump in first and say, um, (laughs) I'm going to say a word that I know we've used a thousand times before, but I'm going to say chaotic. And when I say chaotic, I mean, I'm so confused as to like kind of what to think about what's going on right now, because... Obviously, we went through the banking crisis uh, and are still kind of in the middle of it. There's a number of banks uh, still uh, struggling, it seems like. Uh, Another one was up this week. At the same time, we had the Arbitrum airdrop, which was a pretty big deal and brought a lot of um, significant liquidity into the market. And at the same time, NFTs look like they're dying again. So I don't understand what to think right now. I'm kind of confused. Um, That's my word for the market this week. Um, Eric, what about you? What is your word for the market?
2: Uh, it is still, um, ARB, I think, I think this, you know, the dominant, um, the dominant theme was the artist from airdrop, you know, having the, what is, what is by both TVL and and value of transaction, uh, transaction is the most relevant L2 solution, uh, drop its governance token. I think this is, you know, there's been a lot of comparisons to, to basically the Uniswap airdrop. and I think. With just the size of this thing and the amount of uh, eyeballs on it um and obviously also the amount of money involved like this is going to be a really predominant uh, dominant narrative for for a long time and then obviously you know we had the we had another quote unquote banking price uh, crisis we, we had JPEGs are terrible right now, but we, we can get into all of that but I, I think we're just gonna, we'll be, we're going to be coming back to this like every other week for, for yeah. some
0: time. Yep, I agree. By the way, I did want to slightly amend my word, which we can talk about a little bit later, which is also I want to throw in gaming into the mix. I was at GDC this week, and the I'm actually writing a, a pretty long piece right now about um, gaming NFTs, and I, I think as we are all, a lot of us sitting in the other side demo while this is happening, um, gaming is, fi- Web3 Gaming is maybe finally having a moment, um, and the ARB airdrop and ARBitrum Nova is kind of part of that, so we can talk about that a little bit too. Um, grant what about you what's your one word for the week this week
1: uh sleepy i think (laughs) Uh, i think actually in crypto um i think probably just another facet where we front run traditional markets um ever since like um luna uh the market just grows increasingly illiquid like whether price goes up price goes down if you look at you know number of users TVL locked in, in in the ecosystem it's just down only right from that point on so and and we're kind of seeing that uh gradually uh more gradually i guess in in, in traditional markets uh, and there's like a ton of hysteria around you know bank runs yada 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 uh, and the fed uh, like we talked about last week has kind of blinked given in and you know you can argue blue in the face about what btfp is but it essentially is adding liquidity to the market uh and i think you know we'll get a little bit more of a bounce uh in the next couple weeks to a month uh but we're kind of um as i referenced before kind of nearing the the end game Uh, and i think next couple quarters we'll get sort of into the earlier stages of like a new economic cycle, uh, who just to say, I think long-term time is on the side of the bulls. Uh, and you know, while the real builders are over at GDC or building in the background, uh, for someone who's largely a speculator uh, like myself, uh, I'm just kind of biding my time uh, and napping basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's, a, that's an interesting take. Um, Salty, what about you? What's your word for the market?
3: Uh, as always, I do a compound word, and this one will be uh, take profit. <laughs> <laughs> is that, that's one word. You have a you have a hyphen. There's three reasons for this. One is uh, we saw a lot of people take profit on their arb airdrop. Uh, good for them. If, if that was meaningful money to you, then then that's great, and and I love to see it in crypto to see people make some money. Uh, two was our. Um, our channel where we talk about like short-term trading and leveraging and degenning uh, was just nothing. But everybody say, "I'm taking profit here. You got to take profit, take a profit all week." Because ARB has become a freaking stable coin that only trades in a twenty cent range. <laughs> so like <laughs> people are trying to trade this thing, it but there's no swing trade to be made if there's no swing. And then third uh is the macro take profit which is people are like oh uh maybe I want to turn my bank li- liabilities into dollars and so I never thought I'd have to take profit from Wells Fargo but uh here we are. <laughs>
0: That's pretty funny.
3: Uh shirtless what about you? Do you have a do you have a do you have a, a word that describes the
0: market this week in your mind?
4: Yeah, I I think I like to go like a little bit more abstract. The thing that has been most top of mind for me has definitely been like the banking crisis. I think ever since last week, it's been honestly taking a lot of my, my mind share on top of like the JPEG prices kind of crashing, but we can probably talk about that down the line. But something I've been thinking a lot about, uh, not necessarily on a granular level, but like I was saying on a more mi- or macro level is um, I guess, the the compound word I would use would be fourth turning, which kind of goes into the strauss Tau generational theory. Um, the reason I believe that, or the reason why I choose that word is because I think that there's like a lot of events that have been happening that have kind of uh, started to allude to a potential turning of like the re- the global regime and the global order. Mm. But I think that kind of goes into things that you know, like Balaji was saying, some some of the things that you guys were kind of highlighting. But That's just more on like a philosophical and abstract level than any single particular event in, in this week.
0: I think that's a very interesting thing. It's always for me as somebody who comes at this world from a, I would say more, uh, I was, I was referring to myself as from a liberal arts perspective. It's an interesting thing to look at what the narratives around that are, because I think there's been a lot of talk for a long time about how the dollar's power may be dropping and all this other stuff. We can get into that. Um, and I think that's a really interesting conversation point. but let's start with um arb. Let's start with what what arb means, what why it's a big deal. um yeah, to salty's point, I think that there was conversations around it, you know, trading higher or going higher. um let's start uh, Eric, why don't we start with you? like, like kind of give us like the basics on what Arb is now and why it why it matters, like what what it what it means other than just another airdrop in the system
2: yeah, so so. You know, kind of let's let's just sort of think about what where ARP sort of stacks up in, in the overall um ranking of chains, right? Like TVL, which is something that everyone looks at. By the way, I'm sure most people know this, but what does TVL mean? We should just make sure everybody it it's a it's a short form for total value lock, which yeah. which basically um rep, represents the amount of value that's locked into into the chain itself. Um, you know, If you haven't used DeFi Llama, I, I would strongly suggest you check it out because there's a lot of really, really good information across different chains and protocols on there, and you can access it all for free. Um, ARB is essentially by TVL, the, the most, uh, the fourth most, um, the, the, the chain with the fourth highest TVL behind Ethereum, Tron, BSC. Um, it actually, I think as of right now, as the second, it is basically only behind Ethereum in terms of dex volume on a trailing seven day basis, um, which is which is pretty incredible. Like, you know, when 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 you guys think about, uh, when we think about like alt layer ones, um, what prices like Solana being three hundred dollars from the bull market, what was happening on the chain, and, and what ARB is currently doing. It, it you you sort of just looking at this and saying like well you know fully the fully diluted value for this thing right now is about thirteen billion dollars. Um, it's around the same. It's around the same neighborhood as Matic, uh, Optimism, you know, Aptos, uh, and some of these other chains. Um, despite the fact that from from both like a value protocol and economic standpoint, it just seems much much more productive. Um, and actually, actually represents like what the L2 scaling solution is supposed to look like for ETH. I I think this is really really interesting because because you know we we talk about like trading taking profit like the reason we say taking a profit a lot is because the space is still incredibly speculative. Um, you know, I I think like one of the things that uh, I always worry when I look at crypto, it, it and like it is I, I sort of look at like. The the Carlota, Carlota Perez's like framework for um, technological cycles, and there's always you know these these kind of periods of exuberance where productive capital, uh, speculative capital, far outweighs productive capital, um, and we're just all gambling in the casino. That musical chairs eventually come to an end; everything crashes, uh, and then we get a slow rebuild of what is actually productive that leads through sort of the next extending golden age. Um, right, and if you, if you sort of look at the dot com bubble and what came after it, um, that is a that is a good analog for for what you know frontier technologies, how frontier technologies can behave in the market and wealth creation impact that they have. Um, the thing with crypto is that we've been through like multiple you know uh, two three standard deviation events, significant liquidity has been pulled from the space, um, but at the end of the day, the casino speculative aspect of it still haven't changed. And so we're still trading, you know, shit chains with like 12, 13 billion dollar as the FDV, uh, despite the fact that underlying you know economic transactions is like five dollars a day or something.
3: Are
0: you talking like what well, I always like to point out the central land is still trading at, yes. at like a billion dollar valuation, which seems take your fighter? It, it's a it's a it's a relatively deep
2: bench when you want to get into it, right? Um, and so so I think like I'm really interested in what happens with arbitrary because you know they with this they fully decentralized the chain um it is no doubt extremely productive and built on very very good tech so so now your space is dealing with something that that is has real upside is not vapor and i'm very interested to in see how we ultimately value this um relative to what's out there and relative to also some web 2 companies so so like that i think for me is you know, our arbitrary will be a test case in in terms of like how efficient this market really is. And I, I think I don't think this is gonna be because of the size of this airdrop, I don't think this is gonna be like short-term process that happens over a week. I think this is gonna be like something that unfolds over the course of several months to to maybe a year or two, you know, before that price discovery that can really plays out.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I was I I had a really interesting conversation with our friend. Uh, I I think he goes by Pal pow Fish, but he's also Docs. I'm not sure one hundred percent if he's Docs, but like the one of the founders of Pirate Nation, who is in our um, Discord, I had a good conversation with him about they they moved over to Arbitrum, uh, their game over to Arbitrum, and he had some really interesting thoughts on especially on Nova, and Arbitrum Nova, and what's going to be capable for game developers on Arbitrum Nova, and it's pretty significant. And I think to your point it does feel like a chain that is going to actually have a significant amount of use case and also has adoption, right, which makes, it, which makes a big difference. Um, Grant, what, do, what is your take on this? Um, are you looking at this in the same way that Eric is, kind of as a, as a long-term play? I mean, obviously, as Salty said, there's not a lot of price movement on it right now, but what's, what's your thought on where Arbitrum goes from here?
1: Yeah, like I think everyone's looking at Uniswap as a proxy, but it's just different market and uh, you know, different focus for everyone. Right now, uh, and you know, I don't have any contact with the Arbitrum team. But when you know, discussing tokenomics with the Blur team, I was like, it makes no sense to do any- anything other than basic governance and potential for future mechanisms uh, until you kind of reach that tipping point of being back in the bull market, right? So yeah. it's kind of just accumulate uh, and watch for catalysts. Right. Cause I mean, you saw kind of like a significant tech. obviously. Most of it was just um, you know, moving capital over from main net to play the actual airdrop and swinging it from from a dollar twenty cents to a dollar fifty cents, which is I know super exciting. Uh but some of it was uh, actually, you know, picking up um pieces from from existing uh and you know, honestly pretty vibrant ecosystems in the past, right? Like uh, smalls, um Legion's Genesis, Uh, there's, you know, uh, other protocols that we can get into, like Plutistal and stuff like that. So it's just watching for the catalyst and and seeing if, you know, some of the newer or even the older um, communities stick around after this uh, kind of initial uptick in, in TVL.
0: Yeah, I think I think magic is something really interesting to look at. Um, Salty, are you? You spent some time looking into the magic stuff, right? And I don't. You, I remember. I think you were in the. You, I don't know if you were a smallest person, but you definitely had magic exposure at one point, right?
3: Yeah, I don't have a ton to say on magic. That's probably very uh, educated right now because I haven't kept up with it in a while. But I think a, a number of us on the podcast here and probably in mid curve in general. Um, We're involved with magic. I think a bunch of us minted smalls like when they were free. I I got interested in magic when it was still on mainnet and it was like after in the loot and in days. Um, But no, I I haven't really kept up with it. I mean, I round tripped everything there, uh, round tripped it hard. And then the ARB airdrop made up for some chunk of that, which I think is what happened to a lot of like ARB maxis, small maxis, magic maxis. Um, But no, I don't. I, I just I haven't kept up with it enough. I'm mostly out of the project. I, I, I think what they're building is cool and I think John's probably a, a, a good dude. But um yeah, it's it's hard to see how this will shake out. I mean Arb is great tech. Uh there's I won't repeat everything everybody else said, but um it's a crowded space in terms of there's a lot of DEXs and AMMs competing for limited volume and TVL. And I think the game space might look maybe the segues into our game fight conversation. There's a lot of things like when Bridge World came out and started doing what they were doing, you know, it was a it was kind of a first mover, but there are, you know, a lot of game and gamify type things on Arbitrum. And I don't know how to pick winners there. So I'm mostly avoiding trying to do that and mostly sticking to ARB as an index of the ecosystem, you know, holding that token being being a good way to just get exposure.
1: Not to be too bearish. I think the last thing I'd like to say on the subject is, I mean, if you look at the previous NFT cycle, um, did your favorite project with the best tech win or was it something else, right? (laughs) So if I'm the arb team, I'm like thinking really long and hard about how to improve partnerships. Uh, As Salty has said, maybe how to um, highlight the best AMMs, the best gaming projects. Uh, And, yeah, kind of captured the momentum, right, because this obviously is our week and could be our month, could be our quarter, because that's how dead the market is right now.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I think the um, the interesting thing about being at GDC and talking to a few people there is. There's a lot of news around Web3 at GDC. Um, You know, I think that one thing that like not as much as last year, obviously. And but the good news is, I think a lot of the news was around trying to make Web3 gaming functional. Also, the interesting thing about um, uh, GameFi, we can kind of transition into this a little bit, is that one of the things that I've noticed and there was a game that came out called uh, Shrapnel not come out, but like they had a demo at GDC called Shrapnel and Shrapnel was a game that was funded in uh, November of 2021. So it was first funded in November of 2021, which if you remember was right around when, um, you know, GameFi, uh, I wanna, we gotta have a new name for this, which is like, what is Web3 part one? Web3 part one, which was like, you know, 2021 into early 2022. It was about as hot as it could get as a, as a thing then. And just now they have a playable build that looks like the game's coming out. So we're talking about a year and a half later. And I think that's one thing when you talk about games and you talk about um, how games need to be built. And we're looking you know, right now, as we're taping this, the, the new uh, other side demo is going on. And I, I've been, again, the thing about the other side, which is really interesting, the text really interesting. I'm sitting here watching, you know, thousands of people in this, in a, in a browser-like experience playing a, a metaverse game. It's been nine months since the last other side trip as well. So so games take a long time. I think Game up until this point has been kind of a, a um shell game, I'll like to say. Like it it feels like mostly it was economic based, it was tokenomics based. And Actually, got very, very big on a game that was not the most exciting game in the world to play. So I think it's a really interesting thing for us to think about it and how stuff comes to fruition. Um, uh, shirtless, what is your? Uh, are you familiar with the GameFi ecosystem and have you been kind of following, you know, kind of Web three games a bit?
4: No, I I haven't really been following really closely. So I'd love to uh, if you guys have like a primer or something like that. I'd love to kind of hear it. But something that is for sure on the top of our minds as a team on spice is like the game file industry and how it intersects with nfts um you know like a lot of the reason why a lot of people are building in like the nft finance industry uh right now is not necessarily just for like the jpegs and the pfps that are trading but more so towards like a feature where the nfts become like a economic primitive for the metaverse at large right and like one of the sectors that we really think that NFTs are really gonna emerge to like emerge into that thesis is within game five, right? Because there seems to be like two classes of assets that emerge. The first would be like real world assets going on chain. And then the second would be like digitally emergent assets, right? And we think that like the game five sector is really going to be a vertical where those digitally emergent assets are going to be generated. And we think that they'll be represented a lot in, in NFTs and a lot of value will accrue there. So I'm definitely interested in diving a little further if you, have, uh, if you have anything for me. Yeah,
0: I think that's fair. I mean, I, I, I don't know if anybody else has uh, more to say. Eric, what's your take on this? I mean, I think you, uh, I, I think none of us, probably me more than anybody, is is kind of deeper in the world of the game games in general. But like, Eric, what's your thought on where a Web3 Gaming is at and kind of where we go from here?
2: Um, you know, I think this segues pretty well with, with something that a lot of us have been doing, which is playing the Diablo 4 open beta. Um, and you know, having having kind of hopped into back into what what Pio game after not doing much a a while, and this is just a, whenever I, I go through that kind of experience and loop, it's just a reminder of how nascent uh, game five still is as a as an industry. You know, one part of it, at as you alluded to, I think it's it's just we still have to we still have to make improvements in the underlying tech stack to 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 be able to scale. Um, but I think the other other part of it, um, and this is a problem with, with crypto at large, um, is that we still do not have the depth of talent uh, and the industry experience to really execute these projects uh, at a level where, where we need to be to, to really grab mind share from from web 2 right um, you know like Diablo is great, but but activision God has to has probably coming up like a 40 year history in games. Yeah. Um, they have a huge bench of talent. And I think like within traditional uh web two gaming, if you stick along that path, it, it's still still a very safe and lucrative path versus kind of going into the frontier uh and, and trying to do web three game five, um, which both is is, you know, obviously has its fair share of risks, but but also risks getting, you know, it is something that I think like most of the industry still um, does not look favorably on, um, yeah. and so there's still that there's still that st- stigma there. But but the, the issue is we need serious people in the industry to to do these things, right? Like we need serious people at all levels of crypto. The 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 the, the Brian Armstrong AMA oh, was, uh, on Thursday w- was pretty illuminative of 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 the need for that because you know here is the vanguard of basically crypto. Slash Web three within the U S, um, who whose chief counsel cannot understand the difference between like the SEC listing division and the SEC enforcement division, which for all, 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 all you know, intents and purposes are, are actually like very two different entities. Um, and and so like and that permeates across all levels of, of the space and and Game I think is a place where like you've seen a lot of scams, you've seen a lot of Ponzi's, you've seen a lot of prominence with. We're, it's a, it's all still no state right now, um, right. and I, I think the process to actually build out like workable product experiences that, that people will want, you know, is not like that product development process has has been workshopped and and fine tuned for a very very long time, um, and right. so it's not something that that crypto as a whole can necessarily disrupt. Well, what what crypto is disrupting is really the underlying economic and ownership models. But when it comes to actual product, I, I think I think it's, it it could be like as much as I hate to say it, I, I think it could be like a two to five year process before we see really compelling game five based experience in Web three, um that that actually start to pull people from the Web two into it.
0: Yeah, I think you're right, and and I, I and I've talked about this a fair amount, but I think one of the underlying factors in in Web three gaming always becomes um the the argument always is you get to own your assets right and the and the conversation a lot of times is whether or not uh, owning your assets is a reason to join a new game and i think that you know one of the games i think people should be watching very closely is this game called Everywhere if people aren't familiar with it it's been created by um the the main core team outside of Rockstar Games who left Rockstar to create this game about two or three years ago, and it's been in the works. And they recently at GDC launched a new trailer. It's still probably a little ways away, but Everywhere is not a blockchain first game, but they are they are open and and actively kind of like integrating some blockchain stuff inside of it. And those are the kind of games that I think are going to make a big difference. And, and like I mentioned, Shrapnel was a game that was that was funded a couple years ago and looks like a really solid AAA first person shooter. The key that always happens with games is really tricky, and I think you know if anybody, you know, Eric speaking to Diablo Four, and one of the things we also saw at GDC was, um, you know, uh, Epic and Fortnite launching their new creator tools. Games are are mass experiences, right? And and really, games will like like any sort of thing. You need an audience to be there to make the game work. And I think weirdly with Web three gaming, to make it work you really need a large audience to kind of drive an economy, right? Because if you don't have a large enough audience, the economy and the swings around it can be very, very hard and, and harsh. So I think you're right. I think we're a little ways away from it. I think the good news is we're finally starting to see some of the kind of like transition into actual games outside of what, you know, I think the axes and, and you know, even things like the initial like kind of Ponzi-like uh uh you know game theory games that happened in the original web 3 gaming run which really i wouldn't even think of as games it at heart um faded a little bit and we're going to start seeing actual real games kind of take precedence it's interesting like looking at this uh, recording this as the other side demos going on because you know one of the things that's really interesting about what these guys when i say these guys i mean you guys trying to do here is they are you know slowly showing people that there is a an ability now with the technology to bring together a lot of people in one place now whether or not you know the other side at this point is it, it, it's web3 and that you you log in with your token but i don't know yet you know they haven't really figured out how to like the token is going to connect to the gameplay there's a lot of stuff that's on their roadmap but like we may still be i would assume knowing that like it's been 9 months between trips That we are still like, you know, likely a year away from a functional product in this thing, which is kind of a a, a crazy thing. Um, All right, I think I'll probably move on unless anybody else wants to jump in here real quick.
4: Yeah, I was going to, I was actually going to mention something. I would love to hear your guys' take on this. But I remember even like before we had started working on Spice, there was like kind of a thesis that our team was uh, playing around with. And we almost built like enough conviction to kind of jump into this, uh, into the space. But there was like a thesis that we were caught up with that essentially said that the future of like the metaverse is going to be gamefi essentially like gamefi is going to be the interfacial layer upon which like all users of the metaverse i.e. like the various blockchains that exist if you believe in a multi a multi blockchain future is going to be interacting with all of the the different function functionalities that like web3 kind of unlocks so the idea being that like DeFi is going to get absorbed into GameFi long term and, you know, NFTs are going to be absorbed into GameFi long term. And then people are going to be interacting with like all these protocols that exist on like Arbitrum or ETH right now in like a GameFi setting. Right. Because a lot of what we do in, in DeFi right now is just like really the gamification of finance right? or decentralized finance. And the idea is that like the way that, you know, we get to that ready level or was it ready, ready player one Type of uh, type of future where all of the which is a dystopia. Values, like...
3: I just always have to bring <laughs> up when people bring it up. It is a dystopia. Sure,
4: sure. <laughs> Sorry, right, right. No, no, no. Yeah, but but like my my point is like you know the more more your life moves on on chain, the more you need some kind of like uh, visual layer. In the same way that like PFPs and and artwork is like a visual representation of your identity. It's like GameFi could be like the the visual representation of like digital economies. Um yeah there's like there, we kind of like explored this thesis a little bit and we almost started to build something uh or we were playing around with the idea of like building like a token mac for game 5 uh like yeah a token mac for game 5 but we, we we ended up scrapping the idea because we couldn't we couldn't get over get over, get over the fact that token mac would just would just move into the space when it's uh when it's mature enough for for them to to do so but i don't know i don't know if you guys have like thought about this at all on like a philosophical level or if you think it's a, a dumb take I don't know
2: no I I mean I, I think we're already seeing like primitive versions of this in web too right like you know we talk about sort of uh NFTs being ownership assets but every other week a CS uh gold skin gets sold for six figures um and and so I I think the reason that everyone thinks sees this as being so promising is because that that shadow economy already kind of exists in within uh, the Web2 space. And and so it's not a question of whether it will work, but, but really just a question of like, when will the incumbents sort of get on board and adopt?
0: Yeah. Um,
2: and I, I think for, for me, like, you know, I know I sound pretty bearish saying that it's gonna take a couple of years, but, but I think this is one of those things where like the first one to two Web3 native teams that has real mainstream success, um, Is going to force a lot of these big companies like Epic and Blizzard to reevaluate their model, uh, yeah. and then when that happens, uh, it's going to happen very, very quickly. Like it, it, I'm going to show my fucking age here, but you know the kids in this podcast are are probably truly young to remember. But when uh, Moral wind Oblivion came out, you know that what Bethesda did was they had this 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 uh, DLC pack that was the first of its kind for Horse Armor yeah the horse (laughs) the the horse armor and this there was so much fucking outrage Mm -hmm. in uh at the time when when the $10 horse armor came out like are you going to charge us for horse armor now are you you know what are you going to do next like piecemeal us or content and so because got a lot of flack for it and a a ton of studios and developers at the time just said like well we're not going to do dlc this this seems too toxic we're going to Kind of switch to the the model of you know launching a full game with everything in it and then selling expansion packs if there was the demand. Um, but 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 obviously a couple of years later, you know that that became DLC packs became industry standard and like super super successful. And now it's a you you basically cannot get into a game that doesn't have some sort of you know downloadable content that that the publisher upcharges on. So so I, I just think like these paradigm shifts, like when they happen, can happen very quick. Um, you know, the 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 gaming space will adapt quickly. And then once the floodgates open, there's gonna be a ton kind of demand for these like DeFi products on the back end that services sector where you know all of a sudden your CSGO skin is an NFT and and it's, if it's worth six hundred thousand dollars, you can you can borrow against it and make a make a house down payment. Um, and that opens up all sorts of different avenues, right? Like, and, you know, the boomers can say, well, like, this is just all made up and not productive. Um, uh, but, but, but we are in the dystopia timeline, salty, like <laughs> we are, it is terminal velocity. Um, so, so this shit is going to happen because, because once AI just dis- displaces every single job, um, yeah. that's not physical labor. The only industry left is, is going to be humans trying to keep each other um,
0: entertained, you know, entertained
2: without killing out each other.
0: I, I totally agree.
1: I, I don't fundamentally agree that um, crypto should be associated with, you know, Ready Player One and a dystopian future.
3: But you do agree, or you don't agree?
1: Don't agree. Or at least we shouldn't be right. Like fundamentally, what are we talking about here, right? Like everything beyond basic like necessity for survival is what it's a suspension of this belief really right like why why do we have art like why did the first caveman create drawings or music beating off you know a primitive handmade drum it's entertainment right to keep themselves from as uh, someone else might have mentioned from you know killing each other for for blood sport right and crypto is kind of just an extension of that, right? Like, can we create new economies from it? Yes. Like, can it be a better version of potentially the global banking system? Yes. Uh, but all it is, is, uh, a suspension of this belief, right? For us to imagine and potentially create a better future. Uh, and, you know, if you believe Justin Bieber's music is, is to prevent us from killing each other, then yeah, we are living in a modern day dystopia.
0: I don't know if I would agree that Justin Bieber's music doesn't make me want to uh, kill other people, but we'll see about that.
2: Well what I will say is, is that and this will make me sound like a total nihilist, but but I think all timelines, whether past or present, are dystopian. There, there is no there is no sort of ideally, you know, olden day standard to, to return to. Um and the reality is is the people who talk about that are are just are usually coming from the displaced that the the originally dominant Social or racial class um, that ultimately, you know, reap most of the benefits of of quote unquote the good old things. So, so it is, you know, all like the world is 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 intrinsically flawed in that sense. And, and I don't, I don't kind of think about, um, I don't think about, uh, you know, crypto in in the sense that um, you know it's inherently good or bad. I just think about it in the sense of that it's a disruptive technology. Um, I don't necessarily think about dystopias as, as sort of the worst possible outcome. I think they are all possible outcomes. Um, and, and for me, a dystopia is really an analog for, for the fact that like when technology and society advances, um, inequality doesn't go away. It, just, it, it really just takes a different shape and form.
0: Yeah, what I was going to say, but I think we should move on to talk a little bit about Spice. But the last thing I'll say, um, shirtless to what you're saying, is I, I do believe that there is an overall gamification of the world at large. And I think crypto is part of that. And I think one thing I find as a, as a person who's, you know, I, I, I am the old man of this world in my late 40s now, is that I, as, a, as an early gamer, I was somebody that kind of came up. And embraced gaming uh much to my childhood's uh a regret, in that back then it was very nerdy to do so but i've been playing gaming 've been playing video games my whole life and, and one of the things that 's been really interesting to see over the course of my life is how gaming mechanics have infiltrated throughout everyday life, and I think I think part of the big thing around crypto's boom especially around the nft boom is that a lot of the people that are into it were gamers right and i think a lot of people like and whether they identified as such or not they grew up playing games and i think games are a very different reward mechanic and if you get used to a reward mechanic in games it's a much different experience than being rewarded in say a traditional way for what you would do for work and work itself is different than it used to be so i think that there's a lot to be said about how games are changing and have changed our overall take on what it means to be human and i think that all of this stuff that we're going through right now is probably a combination of bringing games to the forefront of society at large which is kind of a large philosophical question but that's kind of what you asked for originally if that makes sense
4: yeah i think i think people like people create value right like humans create value to you know, generate, play around with trade and things of that nature. Like when you buy ice cream, you don't buy the resource; you buy the, you know, the feelings that you associate with that ice cream, right? So crypto is kind of like an extension of that, in my opinion. And then, like game five is like, you know, naturally also the extension of that. It's like the creation of value for ourselves out of uh, exactly nothing, really. Yeah.
3: We really need to table a, a whole GameFi episode because I mean we're like almost an hour in and I have so many <laughs> thoughts on this I wanna share. I, I have some fundamental disagreements on some things, but like all right, well now we need to put this on the calendar and bring shirtless back for it. Gamefi full episode.
0: Yeah, we definitely should. I think it, or or maybe we can even bring a couple more people into the mix. Um okay, let's sure let's let's talk a little bit about um spice finance. Tell tell us what it is. And then let's we can kind of use that to get into our conversation around where the nft market is right now so so tell us kind of give us the tldr on spice
4: yeah for sure so i guess i could start with the problem and then kind of go into what we're building but effectively the problem that spice is trying to solve is that we've uh you know through a combination of like our own market research and then lending in the the space ourselves we found that like lending against nfts is a fairly complicated process. And we think that the source of complexity really stems from two areas. The first is that um, the NFT lending industry has become extremely fragmented as of late. On Ethereum mainnet alone, there's like 30 different marketplaces that have either already popped up or are gonna pop up in the next like two to three months. And each of these marketplaces have, like, different lending mechanisms associated that, with
3: them. Is that number an exaggeration or it's literally that many?
4: No, it's, like, it's literally 30. It's literally 30. Wow. There's, there's, Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. Because it's, like, uh, I, I mean, it, this kind of goes into, a, a, like, another conversation. But it seems like, you know, a lot of, uh, like, financial derivatives, like, markets or industries kind of start with, like, borrowing and lending, right? So a lot of people are trying to race towards this, like... Uh, this, I guess you could call it like a layer one of, of financial derivatives. But anyways, like there's, there's like, a, yeah, there's a fuck ton of NFT lending marketplaces. And it's like, you know, they have all these different lending mechanisms. Some are P2P, some are P2Pool. And then we're even seeing like hybrids kind of pop up, combination of P2P and P2Pool. And uh, so if you're like an individual lender, it's like not, and you're looking to earn yield across the space, you don't only have to analyze the, like information from all of these diff- different 30 marketplaces, but like, kind of understand how they vary from each other the pros and the cons and how that affects your like portfolio of loans right and then i think secondly uh, the second source of complexity really stems from like the loans in and of themselves because the collateral that's used to uh, to settle these loans are you know illiquid nfts so that kind of introduces its own set of risk and its own set of financial sophistications that like a lender who may be looking to earn yield in the space um you know needs one the financial sophistication to do so and then two like the time to actively manage their loans it's almost like a full-time job in order to 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 lend across the industry so what spice wants to bring to market um the solution that spice wants to bring to market is essentially to build infrastructure such that like power users of spice can kind of log on to spice and then uh easily seamlessly spin up their own vaults so, some of the lending parameters that they can use to spin up this vault um, with like a specified lending strategy is like the the NFT lending marketplaces they want to lend to, the NFT collections they want to lend to, and then, let's say like the value at risk that they want to incur as a proxy for like the level of yield that they want to generate. Um, they can then you know spin up that vault, the infrastructure, the tech stack will aggregate all the loans across the marketplace, kind of construct a a portfolio according to the initial parameters and then like in any vaults product you know the the person who spends up the vault can just uh, input capital into the vault and then it will route it to the the loans accordingly and then if you're just like a yield farmer looking for exposure to the space you can log on to Spice's dapp and then see all of the available vaults that you want to contribute capital to uh, you know the different strategies that you want exposure to and then do so accordingly so the goal of Spice is like really threefold we're looking to just like scale the whole industry right for for the, the lender side, we're looking to reduce the barrier to entry in order to contribute capital to the industry and hopefully pump you know, more capital from within the industry and then more capital, let's say from like the DeFi side of uh, NFT finance. And then on the borrower side, you know, hopefully long-term, we run into a situation where we've contributed to the increased competition on the lender side. More lender comes in, more lenders come in, compete, more liquidity comes in to compete and uh rates kind of get driven down to a uh, a reasonable state for for bars to want to borrow more and thus increase volume. And then for the marketplaces, we just want to be another source of liquidity, right? So uh, you know, uh, another lender in the space that helps them settle loans. So that's kind of like the problem, the solution, and like the goals for spice finance is probably a uh, good top down place to start.
0: Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, I, I have one question, and then I think I want to open it up to the to the other guys as well too, which has to do with. Okay, so I, I think I completely understand what y'all are trying to do, and uh, and agree that like things like this are going to be needed for the maturity of the space. How do you deal with the size of the market? And when I say that, what I mean is, and again, this you have to remember, I'm the person coming to this from the uh, the explain it like I'm five version. The size of the market seems like it's very swingable. It's very small. Like right now, we're obviously in like such a like weirdly a, a, a I'd even call it like a two week downturn. Like over the last two weeks, like how do you deal with shifts and in, and in, in things like that when you're dealing with um, sort of sort of the lending, which you you would expect would work on a much a, a much larger market? How how do how do you deal with those sort of swings?
4: Yeah, I think effectively. The, the you you kind of deal with the swings on like a uh, a mindset level. Like the reason why we're building in the space at the time that we're building it is because we recognize that it's uh it's pretty it's like relatively early, right? A lot of what the other industry players kind of say is that the the feeling is like early DeFi type of feeling, right? So you have a thesis on where like this space is gonna go, and then you try your best just to manage like the volatility in the lending volume and the difference, like terms that the loans are settled. Uh, to the point where you know, let's say this fortuneing thing happens, right? And we have like a new paradigm where uh, a bunch of NFTs or like NFTs become like the financial primitive of the metaverse. You kind of have the infrastructure, the tech stack, the first mover advantage, the um, you know the the know how in order to lend against these things going into the future, right? So the idea is just like you survive the volatility of the short term. You make sure that your systems are robust you try your best to protect from you know the various black swan events that have been happening in the industry and then on the other side you have like a robust system that you can use to like reliably scale liquidity into the system long term
0: well that makes sense actually this is funny because it kind of like connects back i have one more question i'll open up but like it kind of connects back to what we were just saying like it seems like to me if i'm looking at like a three to five year window on nfts it does seem to me like the gaming side of thing is going to bring a lot more people into this space versus say, I mean, obviously, you know, art NFTs or say PFP NFTs. So I would imagine that in your in that world, that is a play, that is a like a a, a part of NFTs that y'all are looking at very closely.
4: Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, if you I don't know if you guys will ever get the chance, but if you look at any like NFT finance. Like pitch deck or anything like that. It's all not, gaming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, it's uh, It's literally like, it's effectively that. Like, everybody's building to the future where it's like, you know, uh, people are borrowing and lending against like GameFi assets, yield generating assets. Like, when, you know, home deeds come on chain and things of that nature, people want to borrow and lend against those things, equities come on chain, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, like, everybody's starting with JPEGs because that's what is currently available. And then, you know, like, JPEGs won't die, in my opinion. I think JPEGs will continue going to future, you know, this kind of leads back into like the whole metaverse ready player one thing, but like people need like a visual layer, I think to, to crypto and like JPEGs definitely do that at the very least on Twitter and things of that nature. Right. I can't wait for the Fannie
0: Mae, for the Fanny Mae PFP. Be <laughs> yeah, <fun>. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
4: <laughs> What do you think the
0: regional banks are doing right now? Yeah, exactly. They're working on their they're working on their uh, Web three gaming project. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: right. exactly. They're, they're excellent at underwriting risks. So, yeah. you know, what could go wrong? <laughs> but, 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 shirtless. I think one of the things that you know I'd love to get your opinion on is so you guys have, have sort of been building this solution to I, I think make the make capital in the market more efficient. Um, you know, obviously. Blur has sort of been doing the same thing on the marketplace front. Um, and and I, I felt like a, a big initial game changer for lending platforms um, was that like, you know, instead when you had potential liquidation scenarios, instead of going through this, like what is not super you know, kind of a fraught like discovery process of liquidation options, you now have the ability to immediately exit um, or liquidate by hitting like the blur blitz bids, right? So, so, so it, it's, it's kind of provided more, I think made the market more liquid in that sense, but, but the, but it's also brought in, I think like incremental capital, that's made the marketplace more efficient. And one of the downsides of having a super efficient market right now um, is that for a lot of collections, the fair value with, with realistically being much lower than where they should have been. Um and and, and, and that, that re-reading process has, has happened very quickly and pretty pretty violently. So like how you know when you guys kind of look at that landscape, like how do you how are you kind of thinking about what's happening in the marketplace today and, and you know what do you think happens next?
4: Yeah, I think that's a fairly good question. And it's something that we're actually like you know actively uh kind of working with right now because the the price of these collections on the spot market you know directly affects the the pricing of the loans that we that we lend to um, we think that like I think there's a thesis that kind of pops up and I think that blur has kind of validated this thesis a lot, and this has actually like affected our thinking uh about spice in like a v two product or something that will will potentially build into the future is that it seems like the the thesis that pac-man has about um you know uh, pro traders kind of being the the fastest growing and even like dominant form of, of users in NFTs is actually kind of like playing out. And this is kind of, I think, validated by Blur's success thus far. So a lot of people are kind of treating uh, NFTs as like, you know, shitcoin with JPEGs. And um, I don't know whether or not that's like a good thing or a bad thing. I think it just depends on when you kind of entered the market or uh, the NFT landscape about whether you like where the direction is going or not. But it seems to me that that's somewhat of an inevitability in terms of like where the user base is kind of headed in this industry uh, long-term. But that being said, like, I think that this is probably something that applies to this specific vertical of like flipping JPEGs, flipping collectibles and things of that nature. Uh, I think long-term when you have like more users onboarded as NFTs increases their use case, I think that know the different segments and it probably won't even make sense to like talk about nfts and and nft prices in terms of like an aggregate but more so something that's more like fragmented across the different use cases i think things will look uh, a lot different something that we're trying to build into our systems right now is kind of is, is kind of to to account for that right so in our in our current system we're being way more cognizant about like the price volatility that's currently happening right now in terms of like where we want to lend we're actually like trying to like one of the sources of alpha that we're trying to implement into our system is lending more towards like the the midship nfts uh and kind of moving away from from the blue chip nfts as we see more and more liquidity kind of flow into that that space on both the spot and then the the length the lending side can you can you like can
0: you define that for me because i think one thing that's always interesting about this world is like what defines a, a mid-chip versus a blue chip because i have a hard time imagining I mean, I think if you think about blue chips, you're thinking about, like, Yuga, Azuki, maybe Pudgies, and, and like, what else is there now? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm yeah. kind of curious as to what you think of as blue chip and mid-chip in that way. Because that's, that's kind of one of the things I'm, I was getting at earlier is that, like, you know, you had these things that we were, were considering blue chips that have now gone down considerably in value. Um, what, what is your, so, like, how do you define those things?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think fundamentally, like, I don't think we have a strict definition in the same way that I don't think there's like a commonly accepted definition about what is a blue chip and what is a, a midship. We really just use it to refer like as a, uh, what is it called? Like as a, uh, like as a name to refer to like a specific set of collections that we, uh, that we, that we lend to, you know, it's just like a way to identify these collections. Based on price, based on
0: floor price or based on, do you have different set of values for them?
4: I mean, for us, for us, like what we care about is like lending volume. Right. Right. So like the the, yeah, because as an aggregator, you really just follow where the lending volume exists and then you uh, kind of build your systems around that. Right. Right. So for like the blue chest for us, it's like, you know, the board apes and uh, the crypto punks, because there are like that. That's where most of the lending volume is is done. And then from there, we kind of tier, you know, somewhat arbitrarily downwards. And then we call like, you know, a set of collections. Maybe you called it like the doodles and the bits and uh, the sandboxes. Like somewhat more of a midship, but then you you kind of go you go for theirs. So that there, is not that's not like an explicit answer for you, but it's kind of generally like the the point is that we just use them to kind of like uh, identify which collections we're
1: we we're, uh,
4: we're talking about.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense.
1: Bit of a fun question for you, shirtless. So you guys, you know, obviously have a built-out product uh, with some pretty high-profile backers as well in the space, which is you know, ninety percent of the the up the uphill battle uh, in crypto and in FTS generally, right? Uh, in sort of the fundraising process, and even in kind of post that process, and in speaking with VCs and institutions, and keep in mind this is coming from someone who's very unsophisticated and you know has never worked at an investment institution before. Uh, have you ever come across like people who are like steadfastly or philosophically like against the idea of financialization of, of art, uh, digital art and NFTs, uh, because I, I find the whole conversation quite uh, uh, <laughs> quite amusing, honestly, because there were a bunch of like really, uh, not even hot takes. I think they were kind of the popular take uh, at the time of, you know, Blur's TGE and, and, and public launch. Uh, some went as far as to compare Pac-Man to, uh, what was it, I think, SPF? Uh, which is really funny. Uh, and, you know, I would, like, scroll across, like, these investor websites and look at the portfolio, and lo and behold, you know, they kind of also are invested in NFTFI, uh, which I found really, really funny as well. Uh, so I just wanted to kind of get your take on that. Like, do you ever come across institutionals who are, like, philosophically against uh, investment in the subcategory uh, and, like, think of you guys as, like, not something that they they want to touch just based on principle
4: yeah i i mean for us i'll I'll talk about us personally like we didn't we never came up across a a firm like that kind of like going into my thesis i think that a lot of people especially like vcs especially like i don't i don't know if they a lot of these guys like stand on any kind of like moral moral ground
3: about. (laughs) you don't think so
4: (laughs) i think i think really what they see is like you know they look at the the value like the existing like they look at the thesis in the space, right? Which is like you know you're building like the layer one of financial derivatives on potentially a uh, a primitive going into the future. They want to get in as early as possible, try to get as much gain as possible. So I think if there's any like class of people in my opinion who like look at NFTs or like don't like don't really care about what NFTs really mean, but probably just look at the the value and the potential of the space, it's probably like the VCs, right? So that's not to like trash on the current VCs. We have a thesis that's like kind of similar, but we do appreciate like where, you know, PFPs kind of stand uh, within the larger Web3 ecosystem, but that's never really been a case. I think if anything, people kind of think that the the space is like, uh, is a bit small right now, but that may be just due to the, the lack of a, uh, a narrative or, or, or a bull market narrative kind of coming into the space uh, just yet.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So it's, it's, it's more that, you know, behind the scenes are incredibly pragmatic as they should be. Uh, and then yeah. in public they get to wax poetic a little bit. Yeah. Interesting. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes
0: sense. Uh, okay. We should probably end up wrapping here at some point, cause it's getting a little late. Uh, uh, anything else, uh, shortlist or anybody else you want to mention about spice before we go?
4: No, I mean, uh, I I guess like the only thing I'd mention is like, if I could, uh, like plug plug our, our protocol a bit. Like, um, you know, we're always active on Twitter, so definitely check us out. We try to, you know, post a lot of uh, of memes and things of that nature. Um, but then also a lot of informational stuff about what we're doing with the product and the industry as a whole. So I think that's like Spice underscore Finance is the handle, and then, you know, definitely if you're interested in learning more, uh, you know, kind of getting involved with the Prolog NFTs and and things of that nature, uh, definitely hit us up on Discord.
3: Yeah. Can I ask, uh, and maybe for our listeners too, so say I, I just want exposure to NFT lending and and fees and rates there. What should I do? Should I just go buy uh, an NFT? How much reading do I have to do? Please don't make me read. <laughs> That's always a good question. Is there just a pool I can dump my ETH into? Just give me the easiest way yeah. that I can be part of your world and profit from it.
4: I mean, yeah, this is like, this is kind of precisely our, our value proposition, right? I mean, all, although you should probably read before, before you get involved in. not going to read. Of...
3: <laughs> I don't know how to make that clear.
4: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Fair, fair, fair. But like uh, the whole, the whole part of our product is that you like deposit into our vaults and then you get exposure across the space. Right. So like, I think an interesting value proposition that we present uh, with people as well is that like, you know, um, this is like industry alpha, but a lot of, like marketplaces are definitely considering launching tokens and airdrops and things of that nature right so one of the value propositions that we present is like if you deposit into one of our aggregator vaults and this vault routes liquidity to all of these marketplaces you're also getting exposure to whatever um you know airdrops or, or tokens these guys are also uh thinking about dropping so for sure uh you know the right now to, to get involved you got to buy like a prologue nft which is like a, one of our financial NFTs. But uh, in the short future, we're going to be releasing public faults, which you can just deposit and uh, withdraw freely from, into and from. And then you just gain exposure to all the yields and, you know, potential happenings of the space uh, as well. So for sure.
3: Thank you for that short summary. Financial advice, of course. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Uh, okay, before we wrap up, we always ask people what they're looking forward to for the week. Um... I will go first. Uh, I think what I am looking forward to this week is uh, hopefully some sort of sense of, uh, of kind of fun coming back to the NFT space. It's been a couple, it's been a brutal week or two. We'll see. I'm hoping that, um, I'm hoping that the ARB uh, airdrop has kind of settled down and we'll be able to see some stuff come back, uh, some, some action come back into the NFT space. Uh, uh, Salty, what are you looking forward to for the week coming up?
3: Oh boy, I don't know. Uh, finishing my taxes. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. I will, good. I'm I will actually shout good. out quickly uh, Crypto Tax Calculator dot uh, io. They didn't pay me to say this, but I've used. I mean, I think possibly every solution on the market, uh, and they've been the most tolerable so far. That's the highest praise I can give. I, I second that endorsement. Wow, really? I so
0: better than better than Zen Ledger. I haven't done mine yet. And last oh, year, I used
3: like, so Zen well, Ledger, they're pretty good.
1: For a sponsor, they just don't know yet.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Pre-sponsorship <laughs> exactly. advertisement. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't I don't have a lot on my radar, but those of you who listen and live in countries where it's required, go do your taxes and see what arb does and uh Yeah, that's all I got. Great.
0: Uh Eric, what about you? What are you looking
3: forward to?
2: Yeah, I mean, um on CKVM is supposed to be yeah. know, coming out in a few days. So
3: but what's your over under on that actually occurring? you mean working like like launching successfully functioning like 50,
2: 50 50 50 at best i would say i would like it to work um because because if it if it didn't work uh it would be i think it would be not so great for a lot of the protocols that are building on polygon obviously the polygon itself you know um but but it's also, I think this it's it's also like the, what like the first real deployment of ZKEVM technology of, of like a major chain that does have transaction attraction in the space. So so I just like,
3: you know, uh
2: I I, I, I wanna I, I'm morbidly curious as to how, how that's gonna go. Um and I, I would just like something that's that's not like the polygon IMX
0: partnership to wash the bad taste out of my mouth so for well for the last piece of <laughs> experience uh or Grantland, what about you what are you looking forward to
1: yeah rotation of capital to nfts and and my old coins would be really really nice but i think that might just be a prayer uh yeah. at this point uh i'm kind of sticking to my thesis which you kind of forced me to say out loud last week and that uh, i think next couple quarters could be a combination of dry and uh a little bit more bearish, especially in traditional markets, uh, and then you know, probably spend a bit more time away from the screen and look uh, look less like Go coin. That's, that's the main goal for the summer. <laughs>
0: that's a good goal, I think. Okay and Charlotte, sure, what about you? anything you're looking forward to this week?
1: Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to more NFT
4: fund, and then I'd say I'm also looking forward to see what happens to Deutsche Bank. And then the yeah. third thing is, uh, I just bought an open AI plus membership, so I'm looking forward to. Starting my journey as a prompt engineer.
0: Oh my god, get get ready! Yeah, there's so I I mean we could do. Speaking of a game Pie episode, we could do an entire episode on what I think is going to happen with that world because it's it's remarkably large and it is not going to end. Like definitely everybody should be should be paying attention to that space. I I, I know there's been a, a a major amount of people that have gotten shit in this world for being like Web three influencers that are suddenly AI influencers, but if you are not paying attention to what's happening in the generative a- a- AI space right now, it, you're missing what could be conceivably, uh, I think, with the largest change uh, since the internet. Um, and I think blockchain will be a part of it, but like it is a massive, massive deal, and everybody should be aware of what's possible. Um, if you're not fully following it, one thing that OpenAI just did, which is pretty incredible, is they just launched a plugins option um, on GPT4, chat, uh, chat GPT+. Um, which is their paid option, and it is going to allow people to access the real-time web in a way that will, I think, blow up <laughs> a lot of businesses, uh, and, and my overall thesis will still be to this day. In fact, I'm going to write about this, I think, some point soon, is that I believe that Google is very much in the place that um, uh, major uh, studios were in when Netflix launched, and that I think their main product, which is search, obviously, and AdWords, is completely gonna get upended and they cannot afford to capitalize on the change that's happening because it'll cannibalize their own business. So I think there's gonna be a massive, massive, massive change in terms of the power structure when it comes to the larger Web2 companies, which I think will just throw everything else into like crazy change mode, which will be really
4: interesting. Yeah, we're, we're in the exponential age, boys. Yes,
0: yes, exactly. All right, well, everybody, uh thanks for joining us for this week. Um, thanks to Shirtless for being here. Um, we are uh mid curve. Uh please listen to the podcast, share it. Um our Twitter handle is at mid curve. And you know, we always want to see if we can get a few more listeners every week. You know, we should I was thinking one day we should do uh, like a, a, an AMA interview, uh, uh, episode or at least get some people to send us some questions. So if you have any questions, definitely like add us on Twitter. There are people paying attention to that Twitter handle um, and we could answer them and see what's going on.
4: Yeah, you guys should do a Twitter space. Yeah, oh, that's a
0: good idea too. That's not a bad idea just to get ourselves out there a little bit more. And I know eventually we're going to consider doing a video as well, but we have to wait yeah. till for Grant to get into shape.
2: I I think we also just start needs to start leading with the phrase three times Emmy award winning. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. We could start doing that. We could say it's the Emmy winning podcast, right? Uh, All right, everybody. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Um, We'll see you all next week. Uh, Have a good week and uh, don't lose too much money.